This episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast is brought to you by the Snagit and Camtasia bundle from TechSmith. You can get both of these amazing software programs as a bundle and save a bundle. I'll drop a few more details in just a bit, so keep listening and learn more at TechSmith.com. Welcome to the If You Ask Betty podcast. This podcast is designed to discuss all kinds of development topics for all kinds of learning professionals. I'm your host, Betty Danowitz, and today we're talking with Alyssa Weir about a day in the life of a learning leader. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Betty. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Hey, can you help our listeners get to know you a little bit better? Can you tell us a quick intro about you and maybe even how we met? Sure. So um, I think like very many people that are in the learning industry, I fell into it by happenstance, uh, really because I was a subject matter expert. And I've just, I've been on this journey for formally 15 years, informally 20. Um, and it's just kind of funny how that evolves and how many people have similar stories that they didn't go to school for this. I did go back mm -hmm. to school for this because I love it so much. Um, but yeah, so I actually, I, I was thinking back about that. How did we meet? And, you know, it was back in, I want to say 2001, 2002, and Fifth Third Bank had just acquired Old Kent Bank. And you worked for Old Kent, if I remember correctly. I worked yep. for Fifth Third. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember if I was at your branch or you were at mine. Um, and we were both tellers, but we also both got promoted to personal banker right about the same time. And yeah. we were in the training course together and we both liked training. And when a position came open in Michigan, you applied for the position. I thought about it, but I didn't go for it, but I did go for the position in Florida. Um, and here it is almost 20 years later. And here we are. Here we are still friends, still in the same industry, both of us trying hard to make a difference. Um, and I love that. And you remember that so much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> but everything you're saying, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is how it happened. You're right. And you did go to Florida. I remember that. We both had the same manager for a while. He re he had two offices. And oh, we yeah. remember. And then we yeah. both and we also both got promoted to office manager at the same time. Yeah, we had a very similar. Well, what the heck? Why am I not a director of talent development? Seriously, <laughs> I took a wrong turn. <laughs> nah, we just went down different paths with it. We did. We did. You're absolutely right. So thanks for taking me down memory lane with that. Um, so today, though, we're going to talk about a day in the life of a learning leader. I mean, would you have thought? Let, let me just back up a little bit. Would you have thought 20 yeah. years ago when we met in the branch that we'd be having this conversation on a podcast today? Like. What would you oh, have God, said no. if like what would you have said if like Bill and Ted showed up and told you that 20 years ago? You'd have been like, mm. Well, first I would have been like, what the hell's a podcast? What are you even <laughs> talking about? Like, I don't That's even true. understand what that is. And then That's I probably so would have been like, um, I would have been trying to hit on Bill or Ted to get them to take me on a date. So let's yeah, be honest, probably, I would have been a little yeah. distracted by the boys. Probably Ted. Probably Ted. Yeah. But I mean, if, I mean, if they are Ted, a match set. Ted Theodore Logan. I love Bill S. S. Preston Esquire. You know that the next one's coming out in a minute. I know. That's I'm crazy. I'm so excited. I feel I'm like so I have excited. just like regressed to being a 13-year-old. Well, everything old is new again. I mean, it's just I know. It it's kind of weird. 
I like it. Yeah, all it of the shows happy. and movies. There's some of it that I like, it and does. some of it I'm like, okay, we need to move on. Like, really? Yeah. Do we really need some to remake it, yeah. every show? Yeah. So, like, my, okay. So, my husband has been watching the original 90210. Oh my god, and... me too. <laughs> and half of the episodes are not available, and they cut out all of the music because they didn't have the rights for anything. It is really weird watching because you're like, wait a minute, what's going on? There's like a big gaping hole right now. Sorry, well, that's, but that's, that's okay. Yeah. No, no, no. He said the same thing. He's like, well, it cuts in and out and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I watched it with him for a couple of minutes and I was like, man, I always thought this show was way better. Like, I know. This show sucks. <laughs> this show is it, awful. It's not great. And it's like, it's I find myself like, because when I work out, I just put on something in the background, but I always put on like just some old show that I haven't watched in forever to see, yeah. is it as good as I remember? Right. And, Oh my God. Like, so I've just been flipping between things like West Wing and 90210 and what's the other one I went back to? Um, Oh no, I saw on Hulu Saved by the Bell and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to pull this up because Mm -hmm. like, seriously, at least that, that, at least that one is knows that it's cheesy. Like you watch Beverly Hills and I'm like, they're trying so hard to make this dramatic, but there's nothing dramatic about what's happening. Oh God, it's so bad. And it it cracks me up. It's almost like watching a comedy now. Yes. Because it's like there are parts and you're just like, seriously? Yeah. You're like, oh, "Oh." and ooh, but the Wonder Years, that's the other one I've kind of been filtering through. Okay. So you do know, you do know that that was my first ever crush. The first man I was ever, well, boy, I was ever in love with was Fred Savage. Well, how could you not be? I mean, he was also in The Princess Bride. He was in The Princess Bride. And that is the greatest movie of all time. So I, it really it really is my daughter's favorite movie. Your daughter um, has good taste. She does. I agree. Yeah. Fred Savage. I in fact, he was in that show on Netflix. Um, something like College Friends or. Hmm. I don't think like I've ever heard of it. About a group of college friends. Um, and he's great in it, of course. And like I'm like watching it and I'm like. My husband's like, seriously, turn that off. I'm like, no, he look at him. He's just adorable. Like, how can you not love him? I'm totally leaving all of this in, by the way, because the world needs to know about my mild obsession with Fred Savage. Uh, anyway. There's no judgment. No, okay, good. Appreciate that. Okay, let's go back to the <laughs> podcast. Um, okay, again, we're talking about a day in the life of a learning leader. So I have some basic, like, tell me about your average day kind of questions, but then I also have a couple more that are a little deeper. Are you okay. up for that? Sure. You're a director for talent development. So tell us more about your journey to that place. How'd you get there? Sure. So um, the funny thing is it actually started out when I was a teacher's aide at a Montessori school when I was in college. And I thought, wow, it's kind of fun teaching people. And mind you, these are little kids. Um, But I was like, oh, this is interesting. And maybe I'll go into something with education. And, you know, I was doing my I was in college and they told me they couldn't place me for my student teaching, but I was working at Fifth Third Bank at the time. And I started doing on-the-job training for new tellers. A merger happened, so I went and did training for other people that were becoming part of the new bank. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just kind of one of those things that by happenstance, by becoming a subject matter expert in in a variety of roles within the business, when an opportunity came about to become a facilitator, I jumped at it. And it was in Florida. I was moving from Ohio. It was a big move. And I remember, literally, we were at, we had just acquired a new bank down there. And my new manager, it was like week one, and a, a new hire program was starting the next week. And she's like, okay, so are you good to train this? And I'm like, 
I don't know anything about training. I've never trained people. And she's like, well, I don't know anything about your bank. You just acquired us. And I literally facilitated all except the customer service segment of our fundamentals of retail banking program. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And really it just, it it grew from there. It was, it was that moment where I was in that role where I was like, I found my calling. I found what I'm supposed to do. And I had a number of promotions. I worked in different positions. We had some big reorganizations within the bank during the 10 years I was there. Um, So I took on a leadership role within mergers and acquisitions training um, for a couple of years and moved into then a more... And I I keep wanting to say global role because everything is global now, but it was an organization-wide role where I was responsible for doing design development for programs that were going to be spread across the business and really doing a lot of train the trainers. So it was really quite interesting. And then it was that moment of I was living on the West Coast. We had a new leader who lived on the – and we were all out east. It was an Ohio bank. And it was – relocate to Cincinnati or take a severance package. And I had that moment of, I think I could do this somewhere else. I think I want to try mm-hmm. to get into another industry and see if I can apply these skills elsewhere. And spent a couple of years um, with Herman Miller, so office furniture manufacturing. If you remember the big Enron scandal and everybody leaving the building with their Aeron chairs, their really expensive, yes. nice office chairs, that's Herman Miller. And uh-huh. um, I was there for a couple of years. It was it was a really interesting role. Great organization. Um, I was traveling a ton and I was kind of burnt out on the travel. And I decided I wanted to move to Colorado. So I looked for a company that would take me there and stumbled across Cochlear. And I've been here now for seven years, have worked as the training manager, talent development manager, worked in talent management for a little while, really focusing on things like succession planning and Mm -hmm. the talent review process, doing more with that and leadership development. Um, And really, I've just had the opportunity to continue to grow because I've had great leaders that have supported me. I've had great team members that have challenged me. And I've had amazing direct reports who really just continue to push me to be a better leader. I love your story. And and what's fun is I'm sitting here grinning because as you're talking, I'm like, oh, yeah, she lived in Seattle for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah now I remember. Because we were quite connected. I mean, we had two different roles uh, for a while in training, um, very different roles. But we worked together a lot. And yep. you helped me learn and understand what it is that instructor, instructional designers do um, and what performance consultants do. And uh, and you were always very candid with me. So I appreciate that. Um, not everybody else was always so willing to give up what was really happening. So um, so I appreciate that. But, um, but yeah, so what a great story. And y'all just need to know that Alyssa does not sound as old as she should be in order. She is not as old as she sounds like she should be in order to be where she's at. That's what I'm trying to say. She's a young leader. Tell us about your average day or even even an av- like an average week as a director of talent development. What what would be some basic tasks or maybe some not so basic tasks that you would do in that position? So first and foremost, I think this is true of for probably a lot of us, I'm in a lot of meetings. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of them are really good and really productive. What's probably surprised me the most in moving into this role is how much less I actually facilitate now. Um, because up until this position, until I moved into this position, I still was doing a lot of facilitation for leadership development programs. Um, and I would say probably 60% of my time was still spent in the classroom. 
Uh, but part of moving into this role and taking this on was hiring a leadership development manager and transitioning that work. And so there's a lot of responsibility within my day-to-day and week-to-week in terms of upskilling people on my team, cross-training them on different things within the sphere of learning. So it's sometimes it's about letting go of things I used to own. Sometimes it's about mm-hmm. upskilling them in something that is a gap that we have in the business. Um, so I do spend a lot of time with my direct reports and also with my skip levels uh, and as well with other peers in the business. So another really important part of my days and my weeks are is really around networking and building relationships. And that's not only with folks within my business, but that's also with folks um, in just in the industry. And so I belong to the Association for Talent Developments Forum, and we we get together a few times a year. We really collaborate, connect on different things, and really learn from each other. So I find some of my best growth comes from my conversations and the challenges that those individuals provide me, uh, because it's really important to learn from others in the industry, especially when your role has you working with, there's a small network of people within the business that do the same thing or similar Mm -hmm. things to me. Mm -hmm. So having people from other businesses I can learn from is really helpful. But, you know, as I think about some of the other things that really comprise my week, it's things like talent planning and really thinking about how do we make sure we have the people in the organization that we can grow and nurture to continue to move through different opportunities as we grow as a business, as Mm -hmm. well as, you know, thinking about the organizational development strategy, how do all these pieces tie together. And I'm doing a lot more work in organizational design these days. So as we're continuing to grow, we're having to continue to look at how we do the work that we do. And I've really got to step back and help our business partners look at how do we navigate that. And I think the other part that ends up being really important in my day to day is really continuing to gain more business acumen and how do I help others in the business connect the dots? Uh, There's one leader I'm working with right now and we've been working together since January. And it was this, you know, she initially approached me because she was like, yeah, I think I'm interested in being in the learning space and how do I get in there? And as we were talking and she was sharing with me the, the interest that sparked this, it was this idea of, but that seems like something that we could actually grow and nurture and create a business unit out of that and Mm. really make that as part of our organizational strategy to help grow the market. And you could just see the light bulb go off for her. And so we've been talking about this since January. And on Monday, she is going to go to our executive team um, and part of the Uh, the project management steering advisory committee to make this recommendation. She's got executive sponsors on board. She's pulled together this business case. And those are the things that I get to do that are really rewarding, are really getting to help other people have those moments of growth and development that Mm -hmm. also impact the business as a whole. Yeah, that's amazing. That'd be super fun. Yeah, I love it. I think it's also probably exhausting because there's a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of like critical thinking involved in that. And I love what you said about networking because I'll tell you, and I have I know I've mentioned this before, I spent... Uh, I've been I've been in L and D about seventeen ish years. That's right, right? We've been in it about seventeen years. Uh, you you moved into your role formally a little bit before me. Okay. So I'm officially I think fifteen and a half years, and I think okay, yeah. you were so, a year and a half before me. Yeah. So seventeen years. So seventeen ish years. So I spent the first 
14 with my head, my head down, just doing my job and only connecting with people in my organization. And then uh, I met Brian Washburn. You know, I think you know Brian. Yeah, Washburn. I met Brian at uh, 18 East TK this year. Yeah. So I met him and I've, I've told this story before, but I met him and uh, he sort of just having a, one conversation with him opened my eyes to the fact that there was this entire industry of people out there. And not only were they out there, but they like each other. They actually oh, yeah. share information that most of them are not super competitive. They're just out there looking to help each other. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I missed this first like and I spent about a year just stalking the industry, just flat out stalking, just listening and watching and connecting with people and figuring out the landscape um, and, and where I could add value because I was just so shocked that there were so many people out there already having conversations and I had no idea. And so um, I'm glad you brought up that networking thing. I think that's super important. And that seems like a really cool part of your job. Well, and it's funny because you say the stalking, and I swear to you, every time I go to one of the ATD conferences, um, international conferences, Tamar Elkeles is one of the speakers that I swear she ends up presenting every year. And I feel like I'm like, oh my God, you are my professional crush. I, I want to learn from <laughs> you. I She just, she speaks so intelligently about the industry and she has these great ideas. And I always walk away thinking like, oh my God, there's so much more I have to learn and mm -hmm. just I hang on every word and there are so many great speakers and so many people I've had the opportunity to meet through the years, but she's the one that I swear I'm a little intimidated by her. And I'm like, I need to get the nerve to go up and talk to her. I'll go up and talk to anyone. And for some reason I am just like, I'll go with you. Oh, you're my, I'm like, she's my professional hero. So, and I totally get that whole professional crush thing. I've got, I don't know, half a dozen and, Easily. um, yeah. And, you know, and they always say, like, you should never meet your heroes. No, no, no. It, I don't know that that's true. I think that you should meet your heroes, but you need to just recognize that they are just like you. Yeah, they are. Just like you, but you can still learn so much from them. Okay, so what would you say is the best part of your day? Uh, you know what? I think for me, it's anytime I get to help someone overcome a challenge or learn something new. I mean, it's when people have those pivotal moments of growth, that's that's why I'm doing what I do. And mm -hmm. so whenever that happens, and it happens a lot, meetings, it happens in conversations, it happens in the hallway, it happens online, but it's that by taking the time to listen and even just asking a provocative question is that moment and you can just kind of watch the wheels turning. Mm -hmm. For me, that's what it is. What challenges you in this position? What makes you grow, makes you stretch? Yeah, so I think there are really two things. I think I think time always challenges me in every position I'm in because there's never enough of it to do all the things I want to do. And it's mm -hmm. not to do all the things I have to do. I can do the things I need to do in the time I have, but it's that there's always more I want to do because I'm curious and I, I'm a learner by nature. But I think for me, it's the, the hardest part is letting go of the things I love. Um, you know, I think about all of the work that I've done over the last few years in leadership development and growing these programs from the ground up within our organization. And as I continue to grow, I need to transition my work to other people and to gain something new that you love, you have to be able to let go of something else that you love. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. It's so rewarding. And seeing somebody else that loves it so much and does it even better is that moment that it makes it okay. And that's the other thing. Like You've got to hire people that are smarter than you and better than you because it makes it a hell of a lot easier to let go of those things when you see what someone else can do with it. 
I would totally agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, it's it's hard to let go and it's not it is not a weakness to struggle with that. It just it just shows that you're passionate about what you do. It's not it's not about control. Like a lot of times people pull that out. They want to play that you're just controlling card. No, I just love it. Mm-hmm. Like it is that not okay? <laughs> can I just love what I do and that's why I don't want to let go? Like it doesn't mean that I don't think you can do a great job. It just means that I like doing it. Right. And uh and I feel you on that too. Hey there. I got to pause the show for just a minute and talk more about the Snagit Camtasia bundle from TechSmith. Gift-giving season is here and Snagit and Camtasia just might be on the list of your favorite L&D professional. Both Snagit and Camtasia are a must-have in my learning toolbox. I use Snagit for dynamic screen captures and screenshots that really pop, and Camtasia for all my video editing, like the videos I did recently for my Augmented Reality First Launch Cohort course. And I edit every single episode of If You Ask Betty in Camtasia on my iMac. TechSmith is offering both of these stellar programs with a bundle discount when you buy them together, What a deal, and just in time for holiday shopping. But wait, there's more good news. Just for being an If You Ask Betty listener, you get 10% off the low bundle price by using the promo code AskBetty. You heard me right, double discounts. Just enter AskBetty at checkout and grab this great deal. Check it out at techsmith.com today. Okay, back to the show. Tell us about a time when, as the director, you had to lead your team or your department through a very significant change. So besides the very obvious COVID-19 example that I think we've all faced, um, Mm -hmm. I think back to the time where my team more than doubled in size. So there were four of us on the team. I had three people reporting to me, and we grew from being a team of four to being a team of 10. Big jump. That's a big jump. Huge. And it's, it's pretty significant. And, you know, we had a really strong team dynamic. And all of a sudden, it was this moment of what's happening here? And why, why are things hard? Why are we running into these bumps in our communication? And it was the first time that we as a group had gone back to that whole storming phase. And it was, I mean, technically, we'd gone back to forming, but we actually spent some real significant time storming and trying to figure out how to communicate with each other, how to integrate these new team members. Mm-hmm. Um, as this was happening, I had one team member who shortly thereafter ended up on maternity leave at the same time that I was on a global learning assignment in Sydney for 10 weeks. And having that disruption while in the midst of all of this unrest was mm-hmm. really hard. And so really taking the time to have open and transparent conversations with the team, being willing to be vulnerable about what was hard for me um, and what I was experiencing going through this, pulling in other people, uh, letting other people take the lead on things and trying to explore how do we work through this. And I think, you know, a number of things happened for us as a team that I think helped us really make that transition. But it was that moment of I need to rely on different people's expertise within our team to help us navigate different elements of this challenge. And Mm -hmm. I think at first I was trying to take on all of the ownership of it because I felt responsible and I felt like I need to help make this okay and better for everyone. And I felt like everything that was wrong was my fault, but it was that element of, it's not about fault. It's about the growing curves that you go through. 
Um, and it was incredibly hard. It was an incredibly difficult. It was close to a year that we were in that stage, which was so foreign to me and not mm-hmm. a place I'd really spend a lot of time. And I had a team that hadn't spent a lot of time there, but we did. We, we rallied together. We worked together. We worked through it. We kept open dialogue and we continued to work. And I've got to say, I think as we, as the whole COVID situation was taking hold was right when we were finding our rhythm. And I think when that happened, it actually ended up being a stronger catalyst to rally us together. And we are in such a good place now. Um, but it is that element of when you have growth on your team, it's not, it's not quick and easy. Even one person can impact the dynamics of the group and you mm-hmm. have to find ways to think about how you're communicating with each person and amongst the team to really make sure you're bringing people together. Yes, I love that. And I think that many folks are finding that COVID with all its challenges, you know, brought, um, like, I love the word you used, it was a catalyst, right? It was a catalyst for changing the way that we work. And for many people, it brought new synergies to their team. Um, And so I'm glad to hear that that was the case for you guys. So what are some ways, what are some ways that you're growing your skills? Because like, I think sometimes those of us who are not, you know, we're sort of sitting back looking up at the director role. We're like, okay, well, does that mean you've arrived? Like, (laughs) I'm not sure. So (laughs) what are some ways that you're growing your skills? And then how, how are you finding the time to actually do that? Yeah. So I think it's about looking at what does that mean a little bit differently. So these days it's less about getting certified in program or getting this designation after my name. And it's more about gaining more business acumen. So Mm. I'm participating in projects in the business where I'm really taking a role other than a change leader or learning leader within the project team to really be a business leader within it and really try to help navigate where we're going and think with a broader lens in terms of how this will help us in terms of where we need to go in the next one year, three years, five years. Um, so that's definitely one of the things. Uh, another, and, and I think that's one that is easy to find the time because you just make it part of your objectives. It's, this becomes one of your priorities. And when you're in this type of role, that's, that's what's expected of you, at least mm-hmm. in my experience. One of the other things that I did that I think was really a stretch for me is this last year, I... I wrote a chapter for a book that was actually just published and it came out on June 1st. So it's called Leading the Learning Function, Tools Yay. and Techniques for Organizational Impact. I wrote a chapter that's really focused on um, really helping grow learning leaders and how do you invest in your people. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think it's really thinking through that element of how do you share your knowledge and expertise with others. So getting involved with that, with a number of other, there were 26 learning leaders that collaborated on this book. Um, So that was a really good opportunity. That was finding time in the evenings and on the weekends because Mm -hmm. this was an and. This was not something that I was doing for my company. This was something I was doing for me, both personally and professionally. But I think the other thing that really helps me grow my skills is really empowering my team to take on new and different responsibilities. You know, that means getting somebody else upskilled on delivering and administering and debriefing 360 assessments or, you know, facilitating a leadership program or um, participating in a key project with a business partner that I have a really strong relationship with and stepping back to give them that opportunity to build that relationship. So I think those are the ways that I'm 
most focused on building my skills. And really, it's I think a lot of it just really fits into what I have to do to be able to be successful day to day. So I, I don't really feel like I'm looking for the time. I feel like it's all about being planful from the beginning about how you want to grow someone else. Yeah. And it just kind of falls into place. I think that's a good point. And I love that you talked about writing that chapter because I was going to bring it up if you didn't. And, uh, and you know, writing is not easy. Like, it's not like you just sit down and you're like, I'm just going to write, you know, 25,000 words today. No big deal. Like, it's just not. It takes time. It takes effort. It's rewriting and rewriting. I mean, I'm assuming it wasn't easy for you because it's certainly not easy for me. Well, and the editing process, I think, is what's really fascinating because it's like, yeah, here's what you put out. But then it's it comes back and it's the seeing how it all ties together and thinking about these threads. And the interesting part is, you know, you've got all these different people writing these different chapters. And, you know, it goes down to things that are as little as the Oxford comma. And yep. the consistencies and inconsistencies within this. And, you know, I just got the book, so I haven't actually had the chance to read all of it because we didn't get an early copy of anything mm-hmm. inside our mm-hmm. own chapters. So I'm like, oh, I can't wait to read this. But I bet you there's going to be part of me that's like, oh, look it. Here's an Oxford comma and here's a chapter with this last one. And the, the grammar, the grammar girl in me is going to totally come out because when I was um, in high school, I thought I was going to be an English composition teacher. Because, you know, people just have different styles. Yeah. And and so it's going to sound and fe- if it doesn't sound and feel different, then somebody did something wrong. <laughs> it should sound and feel different every chapter, at least a little bit so that you get the flavor of the personality of the person that actually wrote it. Yeah. Um, I'm excited to read it, too. Um, it's okay. it's. It's in my cart. I just got to hit pay. (laughs) (laughs) Minor detail. So what would be your advice for those learning professionals out there that have their eye on that director position? Like what can they, what can they do right now to start preparing for what that job might entail? Yeah. So the, the biggest thing I would say is get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You really have to be willing to say yes to things that you don't know how to do and take those risks because that's how you're going to learn and grow. And it's okay mm-hmm. if you don't do it correctly as you perceive it. It's okay if you need to ask others for help. And it's good to be in that space of discomfort because that that's the space of growth. And in order to do that, you really have to prioritize empowering others. So look at the things that you love to do and find one person that you can start to upskill in what you're doing. And even if they're not taking it on anytime soon, it helps prepare you for that moment when you do have to transition that work. You're better equipped to do so. So mm-hmm. prioritize that time to develop other people in the things that you do. And it's okay if it's going to take them more time. It's okay if they're not quite ready for it yet. It's that whole concept of when I think about ready now, ready now means 70% there. It doesn't mean that I'm 100% of the way there. It means I've got enough confidence to be able to get out there and try things and take risks. Yes. I like that. 70% guys, write that down. And you know, that lines up with uh, what Richard Branson says. Richard Branson says, if you're ever offered a job and you don't know how to do the whole job, take it and you can learn how to do the rest of it. Like he's not saying like, if you, you know, if you're in learning and development, you're offered a rocket scientist job, take it. He's saying if you're learning and development and you're offered a director of talent uh, development job and you you think you're 70% of the way there, take it. Right. So, so that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Have you ever read Be the Right Kind of Crazy? 
No, is that his book? Uh, no, this isn't Richard Branson. This is a rocket scientist. But I will tell oh. you, so we do book clubs within our our team. And so my boss, yeah. she handed me and one of my teammates this book and said, okay, here's the book you guys are going to take. And we looked at each other and we looked at her and we're like, what are you telling us about us? <laughs> we had no idea what it was about, but the title is Be the Right Kind of Crazy. And we're like, I think there's an underlying message here. There might have been, but you are the right kind of crazy, Alyssa. So I you're like good. to think so. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, as we are wrapping up, I want to ask you a couple of quick questions that I ask all of my guests. So the first one is this. How do you align your passion with your work? So you know what, Betty? I think I'm lucky because my work is my passion. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really passionate about helping others learn and grow. And it's what I get to do every day. It's It's that moment back in 2005 when I had that first moment in my formal learning role where it, it, that was that awakening moment of this is what I want to do. This is what fuels my soul. So I don't go to work every day. When I wake up it's and it's Monday morning, I don't have a case of the Mondays. It's mm-hmm. this new week ahead of me. And so do I disconnect and do other things with my life all the time? But it's that moment of I don't look at that as being something separate and distinct. I think of it being very intertwined. Mm -hmm. What is the message that you want to get out to our listeners? What do you want them to remember? It can be topic related or not. So I'd say that your role as a leader is to grow your team. All too often in the learning and development field, we suffer from that old adage of the cobbler's children have no shoes. Yes. You know, what I do is I'm I'm really going to challenge you to shift your mindset here because you are the face of learning and development in your organization. And if you don't take the time to grow the skills and capabilities of your team members, your organization is going to suffer. And Mm -hmm. so if you prioritize the development of your team, and this doesn't always mean a conference or a certification, even though it might be, it can be through things like serving on a project team, taking on a stretch stretch assignment, cross-training, another aspect within a different element of another L&D role. In, mm-hmm. in doing that sort of thing, you can flip that adage as it applies to your team to the, the cobbler's children where Jimmy chews. And that's yes. what we should aspire for. Oh, my gosh. I love that. Okay, so how can people connect with you if they want to after the show? So the best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. And the little trick to remembering to find me is not only am I Alyssa with an A and an I, but it's we're is we, I, her. I am three pronouns. You will all remember how to spell my name forevermore. We, I, her. That's it. What? Thank you so much, Alyssa Weir, for sharing your thoughts today. And thank you so much, listeners. Watch for another episode of the If You Ask Betty podcast soon. Peace out. <laughs>